Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Michelle Johnsrud. Michelle, a proud granddaughter of dairy farmers, is a senior high school science teacher from Chilliwack, BC, who started teaching in 2006 and has always had a passion for gardening. She started an after-school garden club with a colleague in collaboration with the University of Fraser Valley that eventually grew into becoming a course in the school timetable. She wanted to see a school garden established and kept working to find money and space for it. Currently, the school garden has raised beds, a compost center, a native plant garden, as well as berry crops and fruit trees. In 2022, Michelle was awarded the BC Agriculture in the Classroom Foundation Outstanding Teacher in Agriculture Award for her collaborative work in building this space for her students to learn and grow. I'm very excited for you to hear Michelle's story today. Before we get to her interview, let's go over this week's listener review. This five-star rating and review is titled My Favorite Podcast, and it is from LBS 2011 from Apple Podcasts. Truly one of my favorite podcasts. It's my go-to podcast. Caitlin is a lovely interviewer and her guests are so inspiring. I've learned so much and found new rural women to follow and inspire my farm journey. I highly recommend this podcast. Well, thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple. And my friends, if you have not left a rating and review yet, I highly encourage you as this helps other folks find the show and learn from these incredible rural women. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Michelle. Michelle, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so excited to dive into your story and learn more about you and to share your incredible journey of agriculture with my audience. So before I fangirl and gush all over you too much, tell us about yourself and your connection to agriculture. For sure. Well, I am the granddaughter of dairy farmers from out here in BC. And by the time I was on the farm, the cows were gone, but there were dairy farms around us. 
my dog is here too. And uh, my grandmother was really involved in gardening. And so there was a natural connection there, picking raspberries and strawberries with her early in the morning in the summer and her teaching us how to shell peas and those kinds of things. So I think the family connection was very strong, but we live in Chilliwack and it's a very agricultural area and we know people who are farmers. So it sort of feels like agriculture and farming is part of who I am genetically and then through osmosis by where we live. My husband and I lived in well, it's really central BC, but northern BC for everybody who lives down here on the coast. We lived in Quenelle, BC for about 10 years. And again, there, gardening was a big part of my story there too. I was part of our city's civic pride committee and really involved in gardens and learning about gardenings in northern BC. And when we moved to Chilliwack in 2006, I started teaching at the school that I'm at right now. And met more people that were, you know, passionate gardeners and part of garden clubs here. So I'm not a farmer, but I come from a line of farmers and I'm very passionate about agriculture in schools and in our provinces, in our country. So that's a little bit about me. It's funny. I'm thinking to myself, the listeners who are listening to this and they hear, I'm not a farmer. And then they're thinking to themselves, well, aren't you supposed to be a farmer to be on this? But I think your story is so fascinating. And just to give a little backstory, Michelle, for the listeners, I receive emails about outstanding people in my inbox all of the time. And part of those are press releases. So I received a press release about Michelle. And that's how I reached out to Michelle and begged her to come on the Rural Woman podcast to talk about her story. <laughs> so you're not a farmer. So what is your day job, Michelle? Well, I am a teacher actually at a secondary school here in Chilliwack at High Road Academy. And I teach classes, but because I love agriculture so much, I'm sort of hijacking my classes to teach in a garden. So my official role is I'm the science department head and I teach biology for grade 11 and 12 students and psychology and environmental science but what I really want to do is get kids out into our school garden and so we spend a good chunk of our classes learning about the content but through an agricultural lens. I convinced our principal to fence in a little area of land at the back of our school and then basically started growing stuff in there <laughs> and it's snowballed from there. So that's that's kind of the, the day job. That's the official, this is what I do, but maybe I'm sort of a secret farmer. I'm, I'm secretly a farmer for students. <laughs> it's in your blood, right? Yeah. It is in the bloodline of the dairy farmers from as your grandparents. Yeah. So. Tell us more about your grandparents' dairy operation. Were you out there a lot as a child? You talked about the gardening with your grandmother. Uh, what was that experience like for you? I think that, well, I'm probably biased, but I think that every kid should have a chance to live on a farm for a while. 
my grandparents lived in in Matsqui, and at the time my family lived in the interior of BC, actually in Invermere. And we would come down in the summers and spend long times, uh, long stretches of time with them because my dad was a, a teacher as well. So we would have the summers off. And, and I remember coming down and being able to ride in the tractor with my grandfather while he was harvesting hay and, you know, getting a call from the neighbor whose dairy um, cattle were giving birth. And so we, you know, run down to watch calves being born and, you know, we were allowed to let them suck our fingers and all of those things where, you know, it was just so much a part of being outside and being connected to the land and what was growing and what was living out there. And there's some of my best memories. Like I think farming is maybe removed from a lot of our students to the point where they don't make those connections at all. And yeah, I, I want to be able to help them do that. But I was very close to my grandparents and my grandmother in particular. I, I mean, I remember not really appreciating the skill of shelling peas, but uh, when she would come over with a big bucket of peas and just, you know, Michelle, you need to sit down and we're going to shell these peas. And it felt like hours and hours. I'm sure it was 20 minutes. And you'd say, you know, one pea for the bucket and seven for me because they were so darn sweet. You get this sense of, oh, you know, local food is amazing and it's fresh and wonderful and these strawberries taste incredible. And, you know, my grandmother has passed away, sadly, but, you know, she would wake up really early in the morning and go pick strawberries or blueberries and then come to our house and just ring the doorbell and then walk away. And we wouldn't see her, but we would see this giant you know, ice cream pail full of strawberries. And we know that she had picked them that morning and, and they tasted amazing and they were still warm from the sun. So I think growing up on a farm and having that experience really made me appreciate agriculture. And I'm pretty lucky to be able to share that with another generation of kids. And hopefully if they don't, you know, go into agriculture as a career, they at least have a really deep respect for farmers and farming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just understanding of food doesn't come from a grocery store. It comes from somewhere else to get to that grocery store before it gets there. And there's a lot of expertise and training that goes into that. So absolutely. It's not just a fluke that this food is grown and raised. There's there's science behind it and there's a reason why farmers and ranchers do what they do in order to produce the food. So just kind of knowing the why behind the how is also super important, I think, for anybody at any age. But, you know, the more that we think about how does information get out there, we have so many forms of media, whether it's social media, the news, uh, you know, books in a library, if people still go look at books in a library. But, you know, I, you tell me, you tell me, what are the kids doing these days? <laughs> so I want to talk to you about, you know, you were a teacher and you were teaching science and all of these things and convinced the principal that uh, to let you have a garden. So take us back to the initial thought behind starting a garden club at your school why why was that important to you well there's 
I, I think that one of the themes probably that runs through this whole story is connections. And there was a colleague that I worked with at our school who he um, himself had made a connection actually with one of the professors at the local university here in Chilliwack, University of the Fraser Valley. And they had started talking and we do this and, you know, plants are really cool. And this professor at UFV had said, well, you know, why don't you bring some kids over to our campus and we can see what happens. We'll, we'll put them in the greenhouse. We'll do a few things. So John and I decided that we would, you know, see if there were any kids that were interested in doing this after school club. And we hired the bus and we went over to the campus and kids started doing stuff and they started growing things in different media and they started seeing you know just how tall tomatoes can get in a greenhouse and how cucumbers taste differently if they're grown in like cocoa husk versus soil and all of these cool things and it sort of took on a life of its own and then we started taking kids a couple times a week to the campus and then we thought well maybe we could actually teach this as a class in our schedule of our timetable. So we made a proposal and said, well, why don't we teach this particular class? It was called Sustainable Resources at the time. And it had some legitimate connections to agriculture. And so we put it into our timetable and then we realized we probably needed a place to do agriculture at our school because it would be too time consuming to actually drive to the UFV campus in the middle of the day. So it just, these little steps over time where, you know, it was a club for a while and there was an appetite for that and kids were excited about going and seeing things. So then we put it into the school timetable and that started growing. And when we fenced off the area to, to make our own garden, that's when things started becoming a lot easier. You know, we could just walk across the field and work in our own garden boxes and, and kids could see what they were doing every day instead of just once a week. And then the kids that weren't involved were like, hey, what are you guys doing over there? That looks, that looks kind of cool. You're growing, what are you growing? You're growing strawberries. I like strawberries. And can I be part of that too? So then we're, we thought, well, maybe we can also, you know, do raised beds and, and then maybe we can do some strawberries and blueberries. And we've had a lot of collaboration with UFE and we had plants donated from them. And there's another high school here in, in town, Sardis Secondary, and there's two teachers there that we worked really closely with to bounce ideas off and see what they were doing and what was working and what wasn't working so that we could actually, you know, keep growing. And I'm always thinking, you know, what's the, what's the next thing? How can we, how can we keep going? So who knows what that looks like, but the, the story to start with was, it was so small. It was really just, you know, eight kids and a couple teachers in a, you know, a black shuttle heading over to this campus at four o'clock on a weekday afternoon to see what we could do with you know, a dozen tomato plants. And it's funny to think about that now because that really, that really was what it was like. And to see how excited kids got to see after, you know, eight weeks, you know, that flower that was on that strawberry plant has turned into 
like a teeny tiny little tomato. And I was there for that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started and it's grown. And uh, that's, that's such a good analogy that you had said at the start, like we're, we're really growing literally at our literally and physically and all of the things. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think like, you know, you said it well, you know, kids who were interested in this in the beginning, they're seeing the fruits of their labor. There's so many good puns in this. Yeah, there are. Right. Of all of the things that they're able to grow and, you know, eventually bringing it back to your school grounds and other kids getting to see what those kids are doing. And I just think it's so funny to think like the peer pressure of gardening, like in the school grounds, like people want to see what's happening. They want to see what's growing over there. I just think like, if this was something that was available when I went to school, like, would I have skipped gardening class? Probably not. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is a funny thing where you, you have kids that, you know, inside the classroom, they're kind of slouched down in their chairs and, you know, I don't want to say they're comatose, but that, you know, they're, they're sleepy and the room is warm and the lectures going a little bit long and you take that kid outside and you give them, you know, hand trowel and, a bucket and say go and pick weeds they're not falling asleep you know they're learning about weeds and they see bugs and what's that bird doing and yeah it's a lot of hands-on experiential stuff and kids always say even today um, I had my environmental science class today and kids were meeting me outside the classroom and uh, Mrs. John's Root, are we going outside to the garden today? And and I said, no, it's too cold. It's so windy. We've got a bit of a winter cold front coming in. And they, their response is like, oh, it's it, that's too bad. Like, I really want to go outside, even though it's minus 13 degrees outside. I know that's not very cold for Alberta, but it feels cold for us. So <laughs> I can imagine how cold that feels for you. <laughs> well, and you've you mentioned you've been able to grow this program and your growing space and you recently constructed a greenhouse. So can you tell us more about that project and how that came to be and what you're looking forward to with that? Well, you know, I, I have these conversations with our principal and, and I, um, I'm always the, I think I feel like the squeaky wheel where I say, you know, we could really use a fence around this little patch of ground and we could really use some raised beds. So let's buy some lumber for that. And, you know, the growing season really is when we're not in school. So maybe if we had a greenhouse, we could extend the growing season. So that was the idea is that, you know, we're in school from September to June. And so a good chunk of that is when it's miserable and cold and rainy and not a lot is growing. So having a greenhouse was a way to say, let's expand this program. And so we, we had many years. I think that the greenhouse plan was in place for about 10 years. So it was a long haul. It was a a long uh, time in coming, but we had fundraisers and, I sold a lot of planters to try and get here. And we had lots of family support from the the parents in our school community. And we recently had the 40th anniversary of our school. And that was a big, there was a big fundraiser for that. So we raised enough money to put in a small greenhouse. And this past summer, we actually had the construction of it completed. So now it's a, and we, Part of the holdup too is that with the 
fact that it's a school, there's a lot of inspections and permits and things from the city that need to happen. So we, um, we had to go through all of that and the process was really long, but it's finally done and the greenhouse is finished. So it's heated and it has like ventilation and we don't have grow lights because those tend to get stolen um, in our area. So it's just a heated space where we can start some seeds and do some things inside with our students. And uh, we were also able to uh, build a little covered outdoor teaching area so kids can listen to guest speakers in an area that's going to be shaded from sun if it's really hot or a little bit of drizzle. So the cool part that we've already seen with our greenhouse is some of the connections to our other classes. So we had the greenhouse finished, but of course we need to have irrigation in the greenhouse. And so I approached our physics teacher and his class and our environmental science class uh, got together. We actually installed the irrigation system just over the past six weeks or so. So even the kids that aren't in my class now get to be in the greenhouse and they get to see, well, agriculture actually requires you know a knowledge of physics because I have to install this irrigation system and I need the right amount of pressure from the faucet and I need to have these drippers installed in this configuration and I want to you know make sure that all of this area of the greenhouse gets this much water but this part doesn't need any so it's been exciting to see kids who are taking physics because you know well I want to be an engineer but I'm actually doing something in agriculture too. And I love this Venn diagram of, you know, this is agriculture in this circle and this is engineering in this circle, but you can see like they overlap and there's lots of possibilities for careers there too. So. Well, it just comes back down to that connection piece, right? And we've we've talked about this, the connection in the community. And there's so many different opportunities in agriculture besides standing in a field You know, you can work in the field of agriculture and have never been on a farm before. But what you're doing, whether you're an engineer or you're a physicist or whatever it is, it can come back to a farmer standing in their field and whatever product that you've designed is helping them grow the food that in turn they'll eat. Yeah, absolutely. And and we all depend on that. Like we're all going to go to the grocery store and we're all going to eat food that needed to be irrigated and fertilized and you know had pesticides and and pests um, managed and all of that stuff so there's this massive opportunity for kids to see the sophistication and opportunity in agriculture yeah for sure You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. 
What have been some of the biggest light bulb moments that you've been able to see with your students over the years when it comes to working in agriculture with them? Well, I would say probably the the biggest one, and this was probably right at the beginning of this program, was actually with my own daughter. She was going into kindergarten, and I remember sitting with her during her little kindergarten screening thing, and her, her future teacher said, now, Annika, where do apples come from? And as a, you know, agriculturally minded person, I thought, oh, this is her time to shine, my, my lovely daughter. And she looked at her teacher and she said, the store? And I thought, I have failed. I have failed as a mother and I have failed as a teacher. What am I even doing here? So that was that moment where I thought, you know, even kids who grow up in families where, you know, agriculture is talked about, we had a garden, like I grew carrots for her. She knew where those came from, but they don't, they just don't know where their food comes from. Like do apples come from trees or do they come from bushes? Like they don't know. And so that was a huge light bulb moment for me where I thought, wow, if, if my kids don't know, there's got to be others or maybe everybody else is just better moms than I am. But so that was one light bulb moment. And then I think the other one was a few years ago where we were taking part in a, one of the agriculture in the classroom programs and it's called planting a promise. And what happens is you get sent a bunch of daffodil bulbs in the fall and the kids plant them. And then, of course, in the spring, you have beautiful daffodils. So I had these grade 12 girls and they were probably not that impressed that I was making them get their hands dirty, but they were. And they're planting these daffodil bulbs. And I said, have you seen these before? Do you know what daffodil bulbs look like? No, they had no idea. Never planted a bulb before in their life. So we, we go ahead and we plant all of these daffodil bulbs and then, of course, they forget about them. And there's, you know, so much time in between October and April. So we go back outside and I say, you know, these, these are the daffodils. These are the bulbs you planted. And without fail, like all of these girls turned and looked at me with their mouths hanging open and they said, that's what we planted? And I said, yeah. And they said, we grew those? And I, I didn't want to crush their spirits and say, well, you didn't really have a lot to do with them. The plant took care of most of that itself. But they, <laughs> they were just so shocked that, that plants grew from bulbs, that they, they could see that happening. And I think that like, that's happened, I don't know if I want to say thousands of times, but it's happened so many times where kids will come and, you know, I'll hold up a little kindergarten kid for them to push a pea seed into the ground and, and they'll come back, you know, four or five weeks later and there's the shoots and it's growing and they're just amazed that things grow, that, that they can choose something. I chose this pea and now I'm growing a pea plant and, and I can do that and that's real and that's something they can see. So. Yeah, I think that seeing the the hands-on value of our garden and how that impacts kids has been a light bulb moment for me in just, you know, keeping going because, you know, there's obstacles in in whatever you're doing, but 
those stories and their faces make it worthwhile and make me think, yeah, there, there's still lots of work to do. Yeah. Well, and if you're not immersed in where your food comes from or curious about it, or if you're raised in a house that, you know, we don't, you don't talk about food in a way of where does it come from? How do you know these things as a kid or even, you know, as a young adult or an adult, unless you're curious about what it is that where your food comes from, of course you wouldn't know. Just the same as I don't know, you know, what other people do for their jobs and the ins and outs of it, right? So tell us more about what you and your students have been able to accomplish by giving back to your community. You're growing all of this beautiful food. um, And I know your community has been a big help in creating that space for you to do that. So how do you give back to your community? Well, within our school community, one of the things that we've been able to do, well, not since COVID, but hopefully moving forward is, you know, kids get to choose their veggies that they want to grow. So we've got, you know, peas and carrots and onions. And then in the fall, we bring all of that produce in and we make a whole bunch of soup. And, and all of our elementary school gets to have this bowl of soup and they're, they're amazed and it's exciting and we grew these things and that's really cool. So that's one little within our school community that we do, but we've also partnered with the local soup kitchen and the Salvation Army. And so over the past, we've been able to grow produce and then take it to the soup kitchen. So we've donated peas and carrots and potatoes and onions and all of this fresh produce that we can take to the the soup kitchen and and say, you know, like use this for those that are less fortunate and have some really delicious products that's available. So we connect with the Salvation Army and, and this wasn't possible during COVID, unfortunately, but moving forward, we'll be doing that again and saying, gee, would you like us to grow potatoes for you or squash or, you know, can we donate some of our fresh blueberries? And yeah, I, I think that that's one of the things that has been important for me and to make sure that people see that food connects all of us and make a, a real tangible difference in the community of Chilliwack. So we'll continue doing that in the future. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, your community is lucky to have you and the support you've received from your community obviously has been able to help make this possible. So it's, it's just, like you said, it's connecting and it's connecting through food, which is such a powerful thing when you think of it. Unfortunately, we don't think of it a lot when it comes to, you know, where our food comes from, how is it grown? Who are the people that raise our food or grow our food? But giving young people that hands-on connection is a learning opportunity that they can take forward with them for the rest of their lives and teach their children and, you know, continue that chain of connection. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a really great picture to think about. Michelle, what are you looking forward to in the future when it comes to your programming at your school? Well, I would love to continue our connection with our physics class. We've talked about robots and and watering robots, and there's some really cool opportunities there to build that program. So that would be very awesome. 
I would love to see us be able to have a year round growing cycle. You know, I love gardening and I love agriculture and I'm not an expert. So I'm learning too with the kids and a lot of things are trial and error. So as we're learning about what we can do in our greenhouse, I'm hoping that we'll be able to have that being used from September until June. And and right now we're just at the baby steps of trying to get that going. And I would really love to see us eventually, this is a long time in the future maybe, but to be able to run sort of a box a week program where we could grow food and throughout the summer have our school families be able to sign up and say, yeah, we'd love a box of fresh vegetables, you know, for a couple of weeks in July and August, and then be able to give those out or even use it as a fundraiser to continue building programs. But, you know, for families who have kids in the school to say, oh yeah, I planted those squash seeds or, you know, I planted that lettuce in the spring and now my family gets to eat it, I think is a very cool possibility for us in the future. Yeah. And that would be incredible. And to have, you know, students, if able to have something to do over the summer that keeps their mind active and their body active and, you know, keeps them working in the soil and, you know, see, see what grows from there. Absolutely. (laughs) I would love to see some of our students too, you know, graduate and then decide, you know, agriculture is actually where I want to have my career. Even if it's not like I'm, I'm not a farmer, but I'm like a a pest management specialist or I design milking systems for the dairy industry. I would feel like, yeah, the kids see that agriculture is big and there's lots of opportunity. So I think that would be another sort of in the future. I'd love to see that thing happening. Right. Well, and then when they come back to their high school reunion, they get to tell you what they've what they've accomplished right like that yeah and I, that's got to be a rewarding thing for yeah, you yeah and I forced them to come as a guest speaker and talk <laughs> to the current students yeah absolutely absolutely Michelle my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being an agriculture teacher for you well it's the kids for sure and like I mentioned their their faces and their excitement for agriculture is it's the best part of my job you know kids who maybe don't get the joy out of going to school in a traditional classroom setting that will make an effort to come and be excited and engaged in my class and kids who are really thinking you know and they say things like well, what if we did this? Or would it be possible to grow that? And I really think that we should try this thing. I think, yeah, I want to hear your voices and I want to hear your ideas about what could happen in this garden because it's not my garden. It's for them. And I want them to take ownership of it and love it and then take that into their futures. And that's the rewarding part for me is when I see those little little seeds start growing. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so good so good all of the puns all of the good things I I love the puns it's it's amazing (laughs) 
Michelle, it has been so wonderful connecting with you. And thank you so much for allowing me to share your story and to share the wonderful programming that you are doing with your students. For the listeners who would like to connect with you or learn more about your programming, where can they connect with you? The best way to connect with me is probably through my email, which is mjohnsrood at harroodacademy.com. That's probably it. Um, I'm, I'm not really big on social media, so I'm too busy in the garden. Right, exactly. <laughs> Michelle, I will link that in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. And again, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been lots of fun. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.